0: So, the idea would be to improve the specificity, if you will, of the cancer therapy to get to the cancer cells and not get to the non cancer cells so much. And also, you might be able to deliver more drug at the same time.
1: This is the James Cancer Free World podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and my guest is Dr. Matthew Ringel. Matt is a thyroid cancer specialist. He leads the Department of Molecular Medicine and Therapeutics, is the Interim Director of the Center for Clinical and Translational Science, and Matt is Co-Director of the Center for Cancer Engineering. That's a lot of territory to cover, but today we're gonna concentrate on the Center for Cancer Engineering, the connection here at Ohio State between engineers and cancer scientists how they are integrating new engineering technologies, artificial intelligence, and data analysis to better understand cancer biology, the projects they're working on, and how all this translates into better treatment for patients here at the James. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really fascinated. This topic has been brought up a couple times. Rafe Pollack, the head of the Comprehensive Cancer Center, has talked a lot about some of the big gains you're making, so I'm really Curious to hear about this. So, what is the connection between cancer and engineering?
0: That's a great question, and I think it's first important to recognize that we're not trying to engineer cancer. We're nope. trying to <laughs> we're trying to use engineering processes and principles to better diagnose and cure cancer. Um, and so, that's the goal of the Center for Cancer Engineering is to take advantage of the really incredible opportunity we have at Ohio State with a. Fabulous College of Engineering, wonderful College of Art and Arts and Sciences with great physics and chemistry programs, linking them to the Comprehensive Cancer Center to together work on this cancer issue that we're all dealing with, both personally and professionally.
1: So that link between cancer and engineering has been going on for as long as they've been treating cancer, right? It's creating the the tools that you use to diagnose and treat, but you've taken now the next step to do it in-house.
0: Yeah, so there's, the, it, that's exactly right. I mean, there's always been an overlap between engineering and some of the hard sciences and cancer. You know, for example, the development of the MRI right. is a good example yeah. of, of that type of process. And, and here at OSU, we've always had collaborations between people across campus. Um, but now having the center uh, enables the system to support those to really try to not just have individual groups collaborate, but teams of scientists collaborate to try to focus on cancer.
1: So give, me, give us a sense of when this collaboration officially started with the whole center,
0: it officially started about four years ago. Uh, it was started really by uh, Dr. Pollock, who you mentioned, and, and the, the dean of the College of Engineering at that time, Dave Williams, and, and a few others on campus. And it started as, a, as an in collaborating between those two units, uh, but has really grown across the whole campus. So now we have members who are in College of Arts and Sciences, veterinary medicine, Uh, I'll forget a few, but I think it's six colleges now are represented in the membership of the Center for Cancer Engineering.
1: So what in your background or training or research made you the right choice to co-lead this? Yeah,
0: so I had a history of interactions and and publications with people in the College of Engineering already. um, That began, I don't know, probably close to 10 years ago. Um, But I'm not an engineer by training at all. Um, And so, Uh, but through that process, I developed a nice working relationship with a lot of people in the College of Engineering. So, so I think that was the original start is that I was collaborating already and had good interactions and nice relationships with people across campus in this area. Um, and then, you know, about a year or two in, we, uh, recruited, um, into a leadership role, Dr. Jonathan Song, who is in the College of Engineering and Mechanical and Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering, uh, who is involved and funded in cancer as well as other areas, uh, to be the co-leader. Uh, so now instead of me just leading it, which is, we have a much better situation where it's co-led across campus.
1: Wow. So the, his background in mechanical engineering sounds like it fits right in, but aerospace engineering sounds like an interesting twist.
0: Sure. Well, that's the name <laughs> of the department. He's, I think, really on the mechanical a, engineering a, side,
1: yeah. And so mechanical engineers design machines. Correct. <laughs> and there are many, many machines used in cancer. So you started four years ago. Yep. And let's start off. What are a couple of the projects that you and the team have been working on or that might even be in a pretty far advanced stage
0: yeah so we have um well, let's step back one second uh, just to give you a sense of the membership and size of the group i you know, think
1: yeah i looked on the website yeah. and it's a lot of people and some are familiar names from people who've been on the podcast that are across so many different departments at the james and in the engineering department yeah, which is
0: a lot of fun that's yeah. what makes it really really interesting you a Big so. meeting table. <laughs> it is. Um, so we have uh, about 56 members right now. Um, and we, as I mentioned, span six or seven colleges. I'd say the majority are from College of Medicine, College of Engineering, and the College of Arts and Sciences, especially the the natural mathematical sciences, the NMS group there in that college. Um, and... Um, Uh, We have a steering committee comprised of all those members, an executive board as well that includes the deans and the cancer center director and and others. So really try to get input from a lot of folks. Um, And through that group, we've established a couple of different ways to build collaborations, which is, I think, what you're talking about from the funding aspect. One of them has been a very successful postdoctoral fellowship program that requires mentors, from different colleges uh, to be to be part of that mentoring team, which has worked out really well. Um, another large one for us has been our accelerator program, which um, funds four grants per year um, uh, that we you know select competitively. So not every grant that's submitted gets funded; they're carefully reviewed, and everything is centered around our three major areas. Um, you know, one is. Um, multimodality imaging. Uh, The second is uh, three-dimensional tissue structures and scaffolds. And the third is uh, data analytics and um, machine, machine learning. And we have really nice programs in each of those areas and some really interesting projects that have developed, either were already ongoing or have expanded because of the work that we're doing.
1: Wow, so that sounds interesting. Imaging, which is vital in detecting cancer yeah. and its progress. 3D tissue, boy, that that's going to be interesting when we get into that. And then data analytics, which is big data. and Is that where the math people from the College of Arts and Science may, may come so, in? Right, and yeah, that, as well as computer yeah, sciences and
0: engineering and, as well. So, yeah, we have people in all of those those programs. Wow.
1: Yeah. All right, well, I'm ready to dive in. But first, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of your projects in... In, in imaging, 3D tissue, and data analytics, and even, I think, a little artificial intelligence, right? Yep, exactly. There you go, okay, we'll be right back. Great, thank you. In today's world, misinformation abounds, but at the Ohio State Health and Discovery website, we're addressing today's most relevant health, wellness, science, and research topics all from the Ohio State experts you can trust. We're tapping into physicians, scientists, and thought leaders across our medical center and health sciences colleges to give you the deeper story behind the headlines and the truth about the topics affecting the health of individuals, society, and the world. Visit health.osu.edu today. We're back with Matt Ringel, and I'm excited to hear some of the projects you and your team are working on.
0: Well, great. It's great a great opportunity to share what we're doing with, with, with folks. So um, the first one I wanted to share with you actually is relates a little bit to to some of the locations that our center is going to be in. We are all over campus, as you could imagine, because yeah. some of the equipment that people use isn't movable and, and there are big microscopes and things that, that that folks are using, as well as you know computational needs. However, there's going to be a, a core group that are moving to the new Pelotonia Research Center on the second floor, uh, hopefully in the next few months. We're looking forward to that. And one of those groups that's going to have a, a major um sort of center of their work is going to be the group working on the metastasis on a chip program. Metata- so me, metastasis
1: me, on a chip program. Yeah. Okay.
0: Let me walk you me, what, yeah. walk you through what that means. So um, we um, have a group of people uh, headed up by um, Alex Gardall in biomedical engineering, also partly led as well by Priya Dedia in the Department of Surgery in the College of Medicine, all cancer center, Uh, members, um, who are developing or have developed systems where you can take a group of cancer cells and you can connect them to what are called organoids or cells or groups, pieces of tissue, if you will, that are lung tissue or bone tissue or liver tissue, and then create a situation where the cancer cells can spread to those lung tissues or the bone on a very small platform, and that's called a metastasis on a chip. Metastasis meaning when a cancer cell spreads spreads spreads. from a primary site into a distant location. And the importance of that system is it lets you measure how the cells go, uh, specifically to different areas, can let you build in things like an immune cell system, for example, um, and increases the pace of potential discovery of pathways that regulate that process um, as well as drugs that might impact it or affect it. Doing this in complex models can take a very long time, and unfortunately, some patients with cancer don't have that much time, so we want to increase the pace of discovery to be able to test for a particular patient, what drug might be active at blocking metastatic progression of their cancer? Oh,
1: so you can test out the drug in a laboratory setting. So wait, I want to make sure I understand this. So metastasis is spreading of cancer. You're studying how lung cancer, breast cancer, different kinds of cancer spread through the body in a in a laboratory setting to then understand what drugs will be most effective in treating that? Correct, wow. that's
0: one of the things that we're trying to do, yes.
1: It sounds very complex to to do that. How do you do that? I'm just it's, talking about the, like the mechanics of it.
0: Yeah, so it can be complex. So sometimes we um, can take human cancer cell lines that we work with in the laboratory, Um, and place those into these CHIP systems to to study how they work and to understand the pathways that regulate them. Um, But there's also opportunity, uh, if a patient volunteer is interested, that once their tumor comes out to even do this in a personalized way where we would take their tumor and then apply it to see what makes their cancer spread so that we can try to block that from occurring.
1: Wow, that's a great example of personalized cancer care. Yeah. You take that person's tumor, figure out where's how where and how it's going to spread and have the right drug to work on that. That's wow. the goal. Wow, yeah. where are you on this process and what and what will it lead to eventually in terms of patient care?
0: Well, where we are is I think and I think Dr. Skardal is really a major expert in in this aspect of it. So it's a nice collaboration again between a between cancer biologists and a, a biomedical engineering background uh, expert, um, it, pretty far. I mean, we can do this already in cell lines that that we have in the laboratory from cancer, and we can show, or he can show, uh, that they can spread to different organoids that, that have been developed. So the base system we're already moving forward and on, and it's new— grants that have been funded that are collaborative that have, you know, led to that work. So another example that's, that's more clinical is um, something that's been developed, uh, really led by uh, Dr. Vancouvering here in the uh, head and neck cancer ENT department uh, with interactions all across campus, including uh, our center, Uh, but also the James Cancer Hospital as well as other centers and institutes across campus. So uh, he has developed um, a system where he can get a CT scan, for example, of a patient's jaw if he's doing a surgery and someone needs to have a jaw surgery, and they can bioprint a material that can go into the patient that's an exact replica of what their jaw looks like on CT scanning. So that then instead of just putting an implant that's kind of fit, it's, you know, based on, pre, uh, on pre-made sizes, he can individualize that for an individual patient. Um, and so that is going on now.
1: So if a doctor, a surgeon, someone has head and neck jaw cancer, they have to remove a section of bone, they can replace it with something that's printed? Correct. What does that Printed material that can go in the body and not be a problem. That sounds. It's a great yeah. question,
0: and one I'll probably refer you to talk to Dr. Van <laughs> Vancouvering about. He can tell you much more about the details of what of exactly the materials. That but he's it's something
1: using. that the body is going to accept. Correct. And wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, what's another project you guys are working on? Well, I
0: think those are a couple that that we have. I mean, I think that one that we had. Uh, that you had seemed very interested in, that I think people will be interested in, with all of the artificial intelligence and and excitement about Chat G and anxiety about yeah, Chat that's a GPT bit of a <laughs> hot topic, hot <laughs> button topic these days. But in in um, in medicine, as as many people know, we u- are utilizing both machine learning to lead to artificial intelligence to assist in a couple of different ways. Not to replace, but to assist uh, diagnosis, for example. So one example is um, uh, Dr. Anil Parwani here runs a a big program in digital pathology where all of the slides, when you take a tumor out and the pathologist has to look at it under the microscope, they're now digitizing all of those images. And so there may be thousands of images, and those images, as, as your eye looks at it, is actually looking at you know, different, what a computer would say are pixels, of, of areas of data. Um, and a, an experienced pathologist looks at it and can see exactly what it is for an individual patient, but sometimes uh, there are findings that are in between, if you will. Right. So using this digital pathology with the computer science and engineering groups and mathematicians, they can create programs that can look at thousands of similar um, pathology digitized samples and then assist a pathologist to tell them exactly, you know, what are the patterns that they're seeing to be able to better predict Outcomes for patients.
1: Wow, so it's taking the accumulated knowledge and experience of all these pathologists and feeding that into artificial intelligence to kind of supercharge the pathologist's knowledge.
0: Right, exactly. So a pathologist will look and then theoretically could get this information on top of it and then integrate that to give a diagnosis to a patient and a physician, a treating physician.
1: And I think I've heard they're doing that same concept with like with pathologists looking at um, mammograms. So Those would be radiologists. Radi- and, I'm, I'm and, sorry, it's, radiolo- and it's a very
0: yeah. similar process, yeah, yeah. right, where it's digitized images and then it's a similar process but applied to radiology.
1: So in... In this program, using artificial intelligence, what types of scientists, experts would come together to collaborate to create this finished project? It sounds like an interesting blend of talent.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great question. So certainly you need the the people who do the data, um, whether those are mathematicians or computer engineers or bioinformaticians
1: or all three. Yeah, big data has become a huge part of cancer treatment. Absolutely, yeah.
0: yeah. And then you would need the pathologist because right. you still need that very experienced eye to, to lend that expert view to make sure of exactly what they're finding. Um, and then the clinician because you want to have a physician who then can right. take that clinical information and say, yeah, does this make sense? Because you have to have all of that together uh, to be able to really understand, to make sure that this, that mistakes aren't being made. And that, and that you're helping.
1: Wow! So that's why you have that team approach, and you have them all here, which is pretty interesting. Okay. Um, another thing that I saw, you're you're doing stuff with nanotechnology.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so again, not something that we do in our lab, but we have. When a, I a, say a,
1: we, you you lead <laughs> you and Dr. Song lead the team that puts this all together.
0: Yeah. So the na- we have a, a, a number of experts here on on campus, and some that we've recruited in as well who make structures uh, that are called nanostructures based on their size. So they're very, very tiny. And in those structures, you can put labels on the outside to be able to get them to move toward cancer cells that express a a receptor or something that they're going to recognize.
1: Like a protein or something? Like a protein or an
0: antibody kind of thing. Um, So they can then carry all kinds of things within those structures to be able to get them into the cells to treat the cancer. So the idea would be you can use those, they call the cargo, and you can load cargo into those nanostructures, and it can be directed specifically toward the cancer, much more so than, uh, say, just giving someone a drug to their whole body. Like an IV thing. Yeah, exactly.
1: So these, are we talking like a grain of sand? Like how big would a, a nano delivery device be?
0: Much smaller than that. Than a grain of sand. Yeah, yeah. And you'd have to be looking under the microscope to see them. And so we've got folks in... Again, College of Engineering in the in the College of Medicine in the Cancer Center, all working on these uh, different aspects. College of Pharmacy as well of these nanostructures, and they load you know specific proteins, RNAs, all sorts of. Um, uh, there's a, someone here who works on something called DNA origami, so little pieces of <laughs> DNA that that can be delivered. So. They can get specifically to the cancer cell, get into a cancer cell, and then
1: hopefully kill the cancer cell. So they're smaller than a cancer cell? Correct. And what would be in it that would kill the cancer cell? So again, it would depend. Some, it, sometimes
0: they can load chemotherapy drugs, so they can be used as a carrier right. to get things in much more specifically. Uh, and sometimes they can carry protein and other information that will tell the cell to kill itself. Oh, wow. so there's lots of different ways that they can be used to deliver, you know, different pieces of information. The goal, obviously, here would be to, you know, treat the cancer and minimize the side effects to a patient.
1: Yeah, because the way you said it, if you deliver chem- chemotherapy directly to the cancer cells, that means you not you may reduce the side effects when you give chemotherapy through an IV and it goes through the whole body.
0: That's correct. So so the idea would be to improve the specificity, if you will, of the cancer therapy to get to the cancer cells and not get to the non-cancer cells so much. And also you might be able to deliver more drug at the same time. So, um, so the idea is that it could be very, um,
1: very specific. So would there be like hundreds, if not thousands of these nano cells that go into the body? Because I'm just trying to envision how much chemotherapy or even immunotherapy they could hold within that that machine that's less than a grain of sand
0: yeah i think again that would be a conversation with the people (laughs) doing the work who can tell you more with more detail uh about exactly how much they could anticipate you know putting
1: in so this concept sounds fascinating and and the fact that you say someone else can give the more details it it leads me to kind of close with this is that your job is to give all these brilliant people what they need to make these concepts come true. So how do you do that? Like what's as as the co-leader with Dr. Song, how do you you and he inspire and and give these great minds what they need to do? Well, you know, we do it as a team. So it
0: really, I mean, the two of us have this title and we certainly organize and get meetings together of the steering committees and the people who were doing the work and with cancer center leadership. But, but we really tried to do it strategically. So it's not just one or two people, because as you can tell, it's very broad. right? And so we want to make sure we have a, an approach where we've got key areas that we're emphasizing so that we can try to help, you know, accelerate research in in the most important way for the cancer. And we do it together. We, our steering committee meets regularly. Um, we review all of this, all of the directions. We have a strategic plan that we did together. Um, and so that's how we do it. It's really not just the two of us. It's a, it's the whole group working together and that's what makes it exciting.
1: Yeah. And it just sounds like prioritizing and, and creating collaborations is, is, is what you do
0: (laughs) yeah that's kind that that's the goal you know and then you know sometimes there are key instruments or areas that's why i mentioned the imaging that we do because imaging for us can go from the smallest of images some really really cool microscopes and things like that that can detect in living cells how dna and proteins interact and looking at the, how that works, all the way to imaging, like we talked about MRI imaging and things that are clinical. Um, so that's the kind of thing we're trying to do is to bring those two worlds together so that we can really accelerate things in a, in a novel way because we have so many great people on this campus.
1: Well, thanks. That was a great overview. And it just sounds like you have a, this is just a great concept and you have a great and exciting job that you're passionate about. It is fun. okay well thanks and maybe a year or two down the road you'll come back and fill us in on some of the new advances sounds wonderful thank you so much this podcast is brought to you by the ohio state university comprehensive cancer center arthur g james cancer hospital and richard j solov research institute for more information check out our website cancer.osu.edu